I'm very aware that as we come to this specific passage this morning from the book of First Peter, that we come before God's throne of grace. And let's just ask Him for His wisdom. And also let's ask Him to open our hearts, but more so to keep our ears open so that we can hear His word to us this morning. Let's just pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we open Your Word to us this morning, we are so fully aware, Lord, that we are mere fallible human beings. But Lord, we take our hope today that You've given us Your infallible, Your perfect and Your living Word. And that through Your Holy Spirit, you will plant it deep inside of us. But Lord, we pray for your mercy today that you would keep our ears open, that you would keep our hearts soft before you so that you will do your work. And Lord, as we have your words speak to us today on the topic of Satan and how he attacks us, Lord, we know that we have the victory. That is the great frame around this passage. That you, Lord Jesus Christ, you suffered, you bled, and you died for us. But Lord, you rose up from the grave. You beat death. You conquered Satan. And you are now alive. And that is why we have hope. And so we can be warned today on how we are to be ready for his attacks when they do come. But Lord, thank you that you've done your great work. And in that great work we stand today. We stand in you, Lord Jesus Christ. To you be all the glory through your word. Amen. Read with me, if you would, in the book of First Peter, chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at, specifically this morning, at verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. But I want to read from verse 6 through to verse 11. That will give us the context. So, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. I don't know about you, but I try to play 
computer war games twice. The first time, I thought I'd tackle this game. I'll just go in and see what it's about. And so I went into the game. I think I lasted about five seconds. And then I was out because I'd been killed. And so, undaunted, I pressed on the game to try again. And this time I thought my strategy will be, I'm not going to just look around, I'm going to just go straight ahead and I'm going to kill what's ever ahead of me. And again, I lasted about, this time, about seven seconds. I killed one thing in front of me, but something from the side, which I thought was unimportant, got me too. And there I was, and I gave up. That's it, me and computer war games, we're history. You know, some people approach their Christian life in the same attitude. We see it in the form of a game. We go through this life, we don't take heed to what we should take heed, and then we wonder why we get wounded and injured. We wonder why we come under spiritual attack. Well, the passage of this morning, verses 8 and 9 specifically, remind us that we are in a state of war, spiritually. This is no game. The Christian life is real. And this is a real war we are in. And so the Apostle gives us a command here. To be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. And it's written in the command form in Scripture. Verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, we've, in the previous two verses, we've been told to cast our cares on him. And that's very true. And we were reminded that in life, we sometimes tend to hold on to our anxieties and then we, we're kind of happy with the Lord carrying us through life with us carrying our anxieties. But the Lord says, take those anxieties and cast them onto me. Cut the strings, give them to me, and then live your life with me. And then we kind of get into this let go and let God mentality, don't we? I've given my anxieties to God and so now I can just relax. Well, no, the Apostle says in the very next verse, he says, no, no, there's action now required on your side. You've given your anxieties to God in obedience. Now, watch out. That is when you come under attack. It's Satan's strategic way of attacking. That is when he'll attack, when you've had the spiritual victory. I've given my anxieties to the Lord and now I'm open. I used to coach hockey. And you know, when you're coaching any game and you might have been watching rugby too, the moment when you're at your weakest is when you've just scored. Because then you're kind of in this time of elation. Yes, we did it. We've got a goal. And if the, if you're the opposing team is on their wits, that is when they'll attack you. When you haven't reorganized, and when you think that you've won and it's all over. No, that is when you're most prone to attack. And the Apostle says to you, you've cast your anxieties on the Lord. Now, watch out. There is action required of you. You see, there is not a moment in this life when you can let go spiritually and relax. And let your guard down. Because when you put your armor down and relax, that's when you expose your body. 
That's when you expose your spirit to attack. That is the moment when Satan will come for you. Who will we be attacked by? By Satan himself, the arch enemy of Christ. And he hates you and anything to do with Christianity. And so we come to this command that the Apostle gives us in verse 8. And we see that this command is made up of two parts. Firstly, be of sober spirit. And then secondly, be alert. So when the Apostle says, be of sober spirit, what does he mean? He means be controlled. Be aware of the gravity of the situation. Be in control of all your faculties. Make sure that you know that this is a serious time. We use the same term. The Apostle used the same term. If you just flick back a little bit to chapter 1, verse 13. Look at that verse with me. He was speaking here about being sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you. The same term is used there when we look out for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace which He's going to bring to us. We are to prepare our minds for action and keep sober in spirit. And there it is. We are to know that this is serious. And then go to chapter 4 verse 7. He uses the same phrase again. He says, Moreover, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment, and here it is, and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So we to have the same attitude when we come to the Lord in prayer. We are to be in full control of our faculties, our spiritual faculties, and aware that this is a serious situation. Why? Because the Bible says to us this morning, we are to respect Satan. We are to respect him. He is a dangerous enemy. You see, before Satan fell, he was the second most powerful angel that there was. Look what he did. We read the passage earlier in Luke where he tempted Jesus. In a moment of time, he could make all things pass before Jesus. Well, if that doesn't take power, what does? Satan is the second most powerful angel. And he still has a lot of his powers, even though he was cast out of heaven. He still has great power. He still has great intelligence. He is in command of a whole host of demons to help him in his attacks on us. And so we shouldn't ever joke about Satan. I hear so many jokes around about the devil and Satan. We shouldn't ignore Satan as believers. We shouldn't underestimate his ability. We shouldn't play around with those things associated with Satan and evil. The horoscopes, fortune tellers, divination. We should keep these things far away from us. We are stirring there with things beyond our control. You see, people make two mistakes today. They either disbelieve in the existence of Satan, you might be one of those, or they've got such an unhealthy interest in him that it takes them away and it gets their focus on him. Those of you who know me will know that I'm sometimes very practically challenged. When it comes to electricity, I stay very far away. Very far away. But if you, work, if you speak to anyone who works with electricity, they'll, and you might have heard this, they'll, they'll tell you, the first thing you have to do to electricity is respect it. And after that you can handle it. Well, it's the same with Satan. We first need to respect him. 
And then the Bible will tell us how to handle it. And that's what we'll see now. So the first part of this command is, this is a serious time. Watch out. Be of sober spirit. The second part of that command is, be alert. And what the Apostle is speaking about here is, we are to be wakefully active. Not just to be awake, but be active as well. You see, he calls us to be morally and spiritually on the alert against Satan, sin, and Satan's attacks. It's the opposite to being spiritually drowsy. You know, like you are just after you've woken up. Before you've had your first cup of coffee. That drowsiness. How do we know when we're spiritually drowsy? Well, you'll know by the way you respond to situations in life. You see, sometimes as believers, we respond to crises in our lives in the same way that the unbelieving world does. We panic, we go into a flap, and we don't know what to do next. And we show that to everyone. That is being spiritually drowsy. Or, we don't see the situation we're in from a godly perspective. All we see are the wind and the waves around us. Then you... It's a sign that you are spiritually drowsy. Well, how are we to be alert then, as the Apostle calls us to? Well, we are to be alert through the Word of God. We are to know the Word of God. And so when situations come against you, you need to know what God's Word says about those situations. And the second ingredient to being alert is, you need to be, have a vibrant, living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that His helping Spirit is active in you. And so that He is guiding you in this life. You need to have a Spirit-led life. And then you will be able to be alert for spiritual attack. We need to know what God's Word says about Satan and how we are to be protected. You see, we mustn't get our information about Satan from personal experience. And so because I've experienced this, I kind of put this kind of formula together and now I know how Satan works. Or... We mustn't get our information about Satan from popular hearsay, what others might say about Satan. You see, Satan gets assigned with too many things today that are not true. Headaches. Flat tires. I've heard that one. Satan gave me a flat tire today. I don't know, I thought it was just something in the road. High rent. My rent's gone up. It's Satan behind this. You know the worst one I've heard? There's no parking space for me this, this time. Guess who's behind this? He doesn't want me to do the work of God. Job losses. You know, that is not thinking accurately about Satan and what he does and how he works. Yes, Satan can inflict physical sickness. Yes, he can bring pain on us. He did to Job, didn't he? Job was leading a peaceful life. And then what does Satan do? Satan goes before the Lord and the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, yes, I have, but you're just protecting him. And then the Lord says, okay, I'll prove to you that Satan's my servant. And then what does Satan do? He attacks Job. And there it comes to Job out of the blue. Satan can bring sickness. He can bring pain. He can bring these things on us. But you see, we've got no biblical mandate and you might have heard differently, but Scripture tells us We have no biblical mandate to bind Satan. You've heard that one often. We've got no biblical mandate to cast out demons of headache. We've got no biblical mandate 
to cast out demons of financial loss. That is not biblical language. So it isn't true. Why? Because Christ is the only one in control of Satan. Not us. It says Satan presents himself before God day by day, night by night. He doesn't present himself before you and I to give a report on his movements. Jesus Christ is the only one in control of Satan. Jesus Christ is the only one in control of Satan's minions and his evil helpers, not us. We can only ask Jesus to intervene in a situation where someone might be demon-possessed and to give us the strength through him to do his work. And then Jesus will remove those demons. Jesus will drive Satan away from you, not us. We need to get that clear in our heads this morning. We need to be biblical in our thinking. We need to think with truth. We need to be sober in our thinking and alert. Why? The apostle carries on. He says, because there's extreme danger. And he uses two nouns here to describe the danger. He says, you have an adversary. He is the devil. Two nouns. Your adversary, the Greek word is antidiktos. He is your enemy. He is the one up against you. And it also has the picture here of a legal opponent, one who stands in a court of law and he speaks against you. You have an enemy. You, you might have thought in this life, I've got no enemies. Everyone loves me. Well, I tell you, there's one who's your enemy if you're a believer. You've got at least one enemy in this life. You see, Satan is elsewhere described in Revelation 12 verse 10. Listen to this. As the accuser of the brethren, that's you and I if we're believers today, and one who accuses us before God day and night. Satan doesn't grow tired of accusing us before God. That's a fact. When I read that, I thought, I wonder if I give him ammunition to attack me. In my disobedience every day, do I give Satan ammunition before God? Sometimes we do. But whether it's true or not, Satan will accuse us before the Lord. Whether what he is saying is true or not, he will accuse us. He is the accuser. He is your legal opponent. He is your adversary. You see, the word adversary also means someone who is up against you. He is hostile towards you. In every aspect of your life. Why? Because he hates Jesus Christ. He hates anyone who bears the name of Jesus Christ. You do. Christian. And any work associated with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says to us this morning that, that as Christians we can't escape this foe. Yes, we are to flee from evil. The Bible clearly states it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 14 says, Flee from idolatry. So we must flee from sin and temptation, but not from Satan. We have to face him, says the Bible. And in this aspect, we either stand or fall. You see, we need to know how to stand, and we're going to see that in verse 9. We'll get to that now. But let's look at the second part of this danger that's up against us, the devil. Who is he? The Greek word for the devil is diabolos. That's where we get our word diabolical from. Like a devil. The Hebrew word is Satan, which is translated slanderer. So the devil is one who deliberately brings 
false charges against God and His people. So we've got Him standing before God and accusing us day and night, and then He also brings false charges against us. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, He is the liar and the father of lies. And so it is very important that we know our enemy. If we are going to be in a state of war, and we are, we need to know how to face the enemy, but we need to know our enemy too. We need to be aware of his methods. We need to be aware of who he is. And if we do that and then obey God's word, we will have spiritual victory. Unfortunately, the devil doesn't just stay in front of God and stay in the heavenly spheres accusing us. He comes to this earth and the text says he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour That word, that phrase that he prowls around, it describes his restless activity on this earth. He's always out on the lookout seeking for a victim. And that is why the apostle says, don't let your guard down. If you let your guard down, he'll be there. We need to be discerning. When Satan faces us and he's prowling around, we need to be on our guard. We can't let our guard down. We need to be discerning in what comes against us. Why? Because Satan presents himself sometimes as an angel of light. How does he do that? He does that through false doctrine, through false teaching. And that is part of the roaring that we hear of Satan. He will present himself through false doctrine. But we need to be aware that he is a foe with a mighty roar. And you see, the, the, the Christians in the Apostle Peter's day were already under Satan's roar. Why? They had official persecution starting up against them. And that was a very loud roar coming up against them. But you know, the roar can't kill you. It can intimidate you, but it can't do anything else to you. But don't be intimidated by Satan and his roar to you. Just be warned and then see what Scripture says you must do. Someone once said, smiling is as easy for the devil as roaring. He's good at both, but he only intends evil through both. Be warned. Our text says he's seeking someone to devour. That little word devour means to drink down in one gulp. That's the literal translation. He wants to swallow you at once. He wants to devour you. It's the same word used in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 when Jonah was swallowed up by that big fish that the Lord sent. Exactly the same phrase is used here. What does it speak about? It speaks about total destruction. Satan is out wanting total destruction of his victims. His aim is not just to harass, to maim and to injure, but his true desire is to destroy his victim by destroying their faith. Now we know from God's word that once we are saved, we are always saved. God will never let us go. But Satan will want you to think that he can destroy your faith. Be aware. He wants to devour. Don't make a truce with Satan on any issue in your life. Small sin, big sin, any attack from Satan. Don't make a truce with him. Don't let sin in your life go and think it won't have any effect. It will. Satan will use that against you. And it will have serious consequences. Why? How does he attack and try to devour us? Well, I've put it in 
I've tried to give you the devil's these, okay? I know it sounds corny, but in, it's a way for you to try and remember how you come under attack from Satan. Listen to this. You might recognize these in your life. The first one he'll use against you to attack you is doubt. What did he do with Adam and Eve? Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, he said, Did God really say, you will not die, but... What is he doing there? He's sowing doubt. You see, what, what Satan tries to do is to undermine God, and he will undermine his truth. And what he wants you to do is to say, okay, I doubt that, and then to start working independently of God's word. And so he creates doubt. The second way that Satan attacks is through desires. He'll appeal to those things you see, those things you hear. Those things you'll feel. He'll appeal to the things of this world and that you need those things. And the adverts don't help on TV. They're actually aimed at that. He'll, he'll play on your desires. Watch out for that. It will take you away from God. The third area that Satan attacks us is through deception. We've already spoken about that. Sometimes he presents himself as an angel of light through false teaching. What is false teaching? It is truth that has been twisted just a little bit. And as soon as it's twisted, it's no longer truth. That is false teaching. And that is why as a church, we will always be telling you from this pulpit, check what we are saying against Scripture. We'll be putting Scripture references up there so that you can check for yourself. Be good Bereans. Check what we are saying. We are also fallible human beings who stand up here. And Satan can trick us through false teaching, false doctrine. And what does that lead to? If you believe that false doctrine, in the end, it leads to compromise. Because now you are doing what God's Word doesn't say. Or kind of doing what God's Word says. That is compromise. The, third, the, the fourth area that Satan uses is a don't care attitude in us. Or indifference. Apathy. It doesn't matter. Maybe you caught up in that lie of Satan's. I don't have to live a full spiritual life before the Lord. I can partly obey Him. I can allow some smaller sins in my life. That's just apathy and indifference. And the other part of apathy is when you don't go anywhere spiritually in your life. When you look back on your life over these last few years, can you see spiritual growth in your life? Because if you can't, you, you haven't stood still, you've actually gone backwards in your spiritual life. And Satan uses that. Ineffective soldiers are no soldiers at all to him. They're no threat to him at all. The fifth area he uses is discouragement. And I know people come under this attack quite often. And what does he do? We sang about it this morning. He brings the weight of sin against you. He says, he says to you, you're just a sinner. Look at you. What a hopeless sinner you are. Day by day, you keep breaking God's laws. And after a while, you start to believe Him. And you start to go what Christian went through in the Pilgrim's Progress. You start to go through the slough of despair. And after a while, you find yourself groveling in the mud of discouragement. It's all Satan's attack. Be careful of it. When you find yourself in that situation, think of what Christ has done for you. Christ pulled you out of that mud and He gave you life. 
And that is where your hope should be. The next area that he uses is division. And he'll often bring that in Christian families, in Christian marriages, and in, in the church. Division. Why? Because when non-Christians can see us not agreed in Christian things or living lives that show division, it brings discredit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Satan knows it. And that is why he tries to bring division in families and in congregations like this of people who love each other. He will bring divisions. And that's why we keep on saying, and Peter has been saying to us, show Christian love and care towards each other. What is that? Putting others before you. Putting others before you in importance. Don't be divided. Why? Because it brings discredit and also it detracts us from what we should be doing. We become ineffective in our task. The next area where Satan attacks, quite a few areas, is direct attack. And yes, some people do experience direct attack from Satan. And sometimes it is physical. And sometimes it is emotional. We come under attack and we need to know that he can directly attack us. And all this leads to the big one that Satan loves to use. And that is disobedience. You see, in any of these areas, if he can drive you to disobedience, then you are out of step with God. And Satan has won that battle. Disobedience. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He started with doubt and ended up with disobedience. Maybe in your life you've experienced that. He's taken one of these forms of attack of his, and in the end it's led you to disobedience. That's what he was aiming at. Know your enemy, says God's word today. Now we get to the part of hope. We've finished with Satan and his attacks. We've learned a little bit more about our enemy and how he attacks now says the Apostle, what do you do about this? Verse 9 says to us, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. The Apostle says to us, resist Satan. He doesn't say to us, by the way, run away from him. He doesn't say flee. He doesn't say bind Satan in the name of Jesus. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say rebuke Satan. Does it say that? It says resist him. How do we resist Satan? He says, stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in the, your faith. And the word stand firm is two parts. It means anti and to stand. Stand against him in your faith. This is a military metaphor again. And it's here using the term that they use for soldiers. Stand like granite, shoulder to shoulder, stand firm before Satan. You see, cowering before Satan invites sure defeat. The Bible urges us to flee from evil, yes, but nowhere to flee from the devil. That's just futile. This is one enemy you can't run away from. The Bible says we need to stand. And Jesus showed us the example in the book of Luke. That's why I read it this morning. He stood before Satan as a man who was on this earth. A God-man. He stood and stood against Satan. James chapter 4 verse 7 says this. Submit therefore to God. There's the important one. We first need to submit therefore to God. And then resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's God's 
promised to us in Scripture. We need to stand firm. It's an inner attitude being described here, firstly. But, you need to really listen to me this morning. It doesn't matter how much resolve you've got to stand against Satan. It doesn't matter how much determination you have to stand against Satan. It doesn't matter how solid you stand against Satan. If you don't stand in your faith, you will fall. You see, it's our faith that makes us strong. Satan has got more determination than you and I. Look what happened in the book of Luke that I referred to earlier. He attempted this very Son of God. And then what does that last bit of the verse said? Say, he went away waiting for another opportune moment. When he would again tempt Jesus. He never gives up. He is very determined. The apostle says to us, stand firm in your faith. You see, our confidence is in God, not in our own dogged determination. Our confidence is in Christ's finished work on the cross for us. He defeated Satan when he rose up from the dead. He made a way back to God for us, for you and I. Human tenacity will be of no help at all. We can only rest in God and Jesus and His finished work on the cross. And you see, we need to cast ourselves on God in the same way that we cast our anxieties on Him. We need to cast ourselves fully on Him in these situations. When Satan attacks you, cast yourself on God. Stand firm in your faith. Humble yourself under God. Why? Because when Satan attacks you and you are submitted to God, guess who Satan's going to stand against? Not you. The God in whom you stand. He's up against God. No wonder Satan has to flee, says James. This is where true victory lies. You see, it's not in our strength. It's in our God's strength. He's the one that we are to submit to. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 12. Let's see what God's Word says about this. John chapter 12, verse 31 to 33. Now judgment is come upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. What was the scenario here? Jesus was saying, when I die, this is what will happen. The ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. You see, Satan is cast out by Jesus' death and we are put in Christ. And that's why we have spiritual victory over Satan. Now turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. I want to show you that God's word tells us this. We are not just making this up here. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Jesus became a man that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and so that Jesus might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And the question comes to you and I this morning, are you freed from the slavery of death? Or are you still under the yoke of Satan? 
Jesus has come to break that rule of Satan. He has come to give you and I victory. Our victory is in God. Our victory is in His strength. In Christ, Satan is a defeated foe. Do you live your life that, like that in the week? In Christ, Satan is a defeated foe. Or do you give in to him constantly? And you live as if Satan is still got control. He is a defeated foe. The last passage I want us to look at, and we, we're going to be in this passage for a little while, is Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 13. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us now. Take courage from this passage this morning. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, not ours. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm, not flee. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Why? Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and have, having done everything, to stand firm. There's our command again. Stand firm. And then... There's a call to solidarity. Go to the last bit of First Peter. Keep your finger in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to come back there shortly. But in the last bit of that verse in First Peter, he calls us to encouragement. He says to you and I, take courage, you are not alone in this. Your brethren all over the world are also going through this. And you might not believe it here today, but if you look at the person next to you, they're going through exactly the same struggles you go through. You are not alone in your struggles against Satan. He's calling us to solidarity, to stand together as Christian brothers and sisters here and all over the world. We are all under attack from Satan. And that is why it's so important to get together here on a Sunday morning. We come here to encourage each other in the Lord. That is why it's so important not to rush off straight afterwards, and I'll be taking notes, okay? But to stay here and encourage each other in the Lord. Encourage each other in your walk. You're all going through the same trouble. Encourage, stand with each other as granite, shoulder to shoulder. See how you can help each other in this fight against Satan. Stand together in God's strength. Verse 10 carries on. We'll get to that the next time we meet. And if you do, God Himself, I love that, God Himself will perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish you. You see, if you are faithful to the Lord, He will establish you. He will root you down. And I'm not going to get in there now. Stand firm in Christ against Satan. And so here's the challenge to you and I this morning as we come to, how do I apply this to my life now? How do I stand firm in my faith? Now flick back to Ephesians chapter 6. We've got to do this next section. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. And with this, we're going to close this morning. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, 
with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil, evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times, important, in the Spirit, not on your own, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. See, it's nearly a carbon copy of what the Apostle Peter's been saying. The Apostle Paul's just saying it in other words. Have you taken note of this spiritual armor that you and I are to wear? Gird your loins with truth. It is a belt of truth that we are to wear to protect us. The belt of God's word of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. His righteousness. On our feet, the gospel of peace. Taking the gospel out with us. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith. What do we put in front of us? What do we stand in? Our faith. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what he, he will do. And to take the helmet of salvation. Christ came to this earth to save you and I. We are now protected by Christ. And then we pray. And we come before the Lord. You see, if we are wearing our spiritual armor, we can stand and resist Satan. But, and there's the big but, I know my own life. Sometimes I find myself and my shield of faith is maybe lying on the ground because of doubts. And what I'm doing is I'm opening myself up to all those flaming arrows coming at me. Another day I might find that the helmet of salvation is tucked under my arm because I'm relying on my own abilities in a situation, not on His strength, the strength of Almighty God. Or maybe you find yourself and the belt of truth has slipped and it's slipping off your waist because you've stopped trusting in God's truth. You've stopped coming into God's Word, soaking yourself with God's Word and you find yourself disobedient to His Word. You see, you are now in grave danger. Your armour is off you. You are under attack. He doesn't stop His attack. Undisciplined soldiers become wounded soldiers. Remember that one. If you stop those spiritual disciplines, you will be wounded. Satan will not give up the fight until he's cast into hell. Then he'll give up. Secondly, in your daily obedience before the Lord, you now know that Satan comes before God day and night to accuse you. Are you giving him ammunition? Are you being disobedient? And he's holding that up to the Lord and saying, See, this is your child, Lord. Are you giving him ammunition? Thirdly, do you find yourself standing and resisting Satan's attacks through God's word and prayer? Or maybe you find yourself continually cowering and falling over spiritually in defeat. What's the solution to that? God's Word calls us to that this morning. It says, humble yourselves again under God. Come back to that point of putting yourself under God and saying, Lord, you are number one and you are central in my life. I want to live this life under your command, Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you have that attitude, you will not cower, you will not fall. We need to submit all facets of our lives to God. Maybe there's an area of your life that you are not allowing God to take over. You are still in control of a specific area and you know it is your weakness. You need to come before the Lord and cast that on Him too. Otherwise, Satan will attack you in that area constantly. 
That is a chink in your armor. He will fire those fiery darts in there and they will hit their mark. God's word warns us. Cast yourself on him. All areas of your life. And then ask for God's strength to obey him through his word. And then stand firm. Satan will see Christ in you and Satan will flee. If you've got Christ filling up your whole life in your daily obedience before him, Satan will see Christ in your life and he will flee before you. Don't become disheartened. We are, we are all going through the same battles. You are not alone is the fourth point here. Pray for each other. Spend time with each other. Encourage each other. We are in this battle together. You see... What the Apostle is saying to us here is three things. Defeat is not inevitable. Don't believe Satan. Defeat is not inevitable. Christ has defeated Satan. Stand firm in Christ. He has defeated Satan. Stand firm in Christ. Heavenly Father, Your warrior prepares for battle. Today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth. May I stand firm in the truth of your word, so I will not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. May it guard my heart from evil so I will remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace. May I stand firm in the good news of the gospel, so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter. I take the shield of faith. May I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt, denial and deceit. So I will not be vulnerable to spiritual defeat. I put on the helmet of salvation. May I keep my mind focused on you so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts. I take the sword of the Spirit. May the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hands. I need to know it so I can expose the tempting words of Satan. By faith, your warrior has put on the whole armor of God. I am now prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. Are you prepared this day to serve as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ? Not as one wounded lying in the hospital your whole life, but as a soldier serving on the battlefront against evil in this lifetime. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. He has defeated Satan. Stand in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words. Thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you that your word prepares us for what comes against us. If only we'd believe it, Lord, and apply the truth to our lives. But Lord, we are weak human beings and so often we resort to our own strength, our own wisdom. And we try to stand up against Satan. And we find ourselves running away when we should be standing and resisting. And that's all because we are not being obedient to your word. 
We are not in our relationship with you, Lord Jesus Christ, as we should be. You are not number one in our life. You've been pushed way down the list and other things have taken your place. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. We want to be effective soldiers of the cross. And Lord, I pray that you would work in me and that you would work in every single person here today that is, that, that is your child and that you would do a mighty work in us bringing us back to your word, your truth, so that we can stand and resist Satan when the time comes. Lord, help us to be obedient to you. And Lord, I pray too this morning for those who might be here today who still are under the reign of Satan, who have never experienced the power and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives, and they are going through life on their own. Lord, I pray that even today they would come under conviction from your word, And that they will know that the only way out in this world, the only way to see through into the next life, is to cast themselves on the Lord Jesus Christ, to ask for forgiveness of their sin, and to know that you have to reign in their life if they are to have hope. Lord, do a great work, we pray. And as we turn from this place, help us, Lord, to encourage each other in the fight, to stand with each other, our brothers and sisters, and then to go out into this world and to shine as bright lights as people see us trusting you, even in difficult situations. May we be a bright light in this world. Work through us, we pray. Amen.